You're listening to the Wise Wife Podcast. So you want a better marriage? Well, then buckle up, buttercup. You're in the right place. If you're battling to see past your struggles today, if you're feeling totally overwhelmed at all the awful circumstances in your life, this podcast is for you. I believe the Lord is going to open your spiritual eyes today and give you a totally new understanding of what's really happening behind all those circumstances. In episode 10, I touched on a really critical truth in Romans 8, 6, where Paul says, for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We talked about the original Greek language. It literally translates to, for the thinking of the flesh, death, the thinking of the spirit, life and peace. So if you're fighting the wrong fight, you're thinking in the flesh, you're warring against the circumstances in the flesh, you're taking blows from those circumstances in the flesh, and it leads to death. You, you don't win that fight. But on the contrary, when we're thinking of the spirit, the Bible says it leads to life and peace. So in this series of the podcast, we're going to talk about the powerful spiritual weapons available to us. And what we must remember is that all of our spiritual weapons are built on this one principle of living by the spirit. To make this really simple, I'm going to use prayer as an example. This is a spiritual weapon that we all know about. So when we pray, we are using a spiritual weapon because obviously prayer in itself does not change anything. Prayer without the spiritual realm is empty, but we pray because we believe that prayer accesses the spiritual realm by connecting with God the Father. We pray because we believe that the act of prayer petitions him and it is God's response to our prayers that changes things in the natural. If I rebuke a demon and command it to go, my words in the natural mean nothing if they do not have the authority of the spirit. We see this in Acts 19 where it says, now there were some Jewish exorcists who tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those with evil spirits. They would say, I bind you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Eventually, one of the evil spirits answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. The attack was so violent that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. (laughs) Okay, so it's not the words themselves, but the spirit behind the words, which has the power. So again, you can deploy all of the spiritual weapons I will teach you in this series. But if you're not living by the spirit, it will be in vain. Now again... I'm going to say what I said in episode 12, this is not about being perfect or good enough. Let's go back to the intent of Romans chapter 8, where we see that verse about living carnally or spiritually. The entire chapter is Paul convincing the followers of Jesus to not fall back into the trap of living under Jewish law. Paul starts off by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So anytime we see a therefore, we need to look back at what it's thereforeing to. In this case, he's coming off of Romans 7, where he was fully acknowledging that the law was good in the sense that without it, grace would be unnecessary. So chapter 7, verse 7, he says, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. 
And he goes on to say that the problem is not about whether he's good enough to adhere to the law, which is what the Jews truly believed. They believed their faithfulness to the law proved their worthiness. But that rather it is the sin in him that is the problem. It is that he can't escape sin no matter how hard he tries. He painted a pretty bleak picture of how no matter how much he wants to do good, he seems to do what he hates. So you can see how important it was for him to go on in chapter 8 and say, therefore, and offer the hope of Jesus as the solution to our fatal sin problem. So no, living by the Spirit has nothing to do with being perfect or doing enough, but rather he responds with the very first verse I opened with, Romans 8, 6, for the thinking of the flesh, death, the thinking of the Spirit, life and peace. So how can we make sure we are thinking of the Spirit? That's what I'm going to teach you today. I think this is a really powerful principle that will help you catch yourself when you're thinking of the flesh and not of the spirit, so that you can take those thoughts captive and strike them down. Even more so, you're going to learn how to turn those thoughts into intel. You're going to understand how to think and live by the spirit. You've likely heard Ephesians 6, 11 to 12 many times. It's laying a foundation of how critical it is for us to understand that this world, the natural realm you see with your eyes, is not the priority. Paul says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is warning us to not be played by the devil's schemes, to not ignore his tactics. We just saw that in Romans 8, Paul pointed out our natural bend will always be to blame everything on our flesh, that it is inherently flawed. But here he is telling us, don't get fooled by the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The true fight is in the spirit. And the sooner we know this, the more accurate we can fight the fight of faith. So let me now teach you this mindset, this mindset shift, this understanding, this principle that can help you gauge whether you're reacting in the flesh or in the spirit. So I think of life as having two boxing rings. Most people only see one ring. They fight through life in this one ring and they don't even see the second. In the first ring, you are fighting a behemoth opponent who is way over your weight class. You go through seasons where you feel like you're winning, but if you're honest, more often than not, you find yourself swinging at air, exhausted, tired, depressed, hopeless, and distracted. In this ring, you've got a lot of trainers on your side. They would be the world's opinions, friends and family, media and Hollywood, even social media influencers are there shouting their so-called encouragement at you. Those trainers are telling you how to fight the circumstances of life that this opponent is hurling at you. And yet with every punch you throw, you keep feeling like you might as well be shadow boxing because you're not connecting. You're not seeing any lasting improvement in your life. Every circumstance that comes your way feels like another sucker punch, knocking you to the ground. Sure, you keep getting back up, sometimes barely, but you're not sure how much more you can take. I'm here to tell you about a second boxing ring. It's a ring that not even all Christians see. In this second ring, your opponent is big, but you're not afraid of him. In this ring, you dodge the punches that are coming at you. Your opponent is repetitive, almost predictable. And the, the punches just don't phase you. 
In this ring, you hear your trainer coaching you and you obey his instruction and you land your punches. In this ring, you have one lead trainer and his name is Holy Spirit. When we step out of the first ring where we are being pummeled by life, and we step into the second ring, we have victory despite the blows. The first ring, that is thinking by the flesh. That is the natural ring. That is the world we see. It is the circumstances that you have in your life taken at face value. It's what we see with our natural eyes. The second ring, that is thinking by the spirit. It's the ring where we see the circumstances of life through the eyes of our spirit. It's the ring we live in by faith, and it's the ring where all of our spiritual weapons are deployed. We know we are fighting in the natural ring and adopting that carnal mindset when we are wallowing in panic, anxiety, fear, what-if scenarios, and, and just downright misery. We know we're fighting in the spiritual ring and living with a spiritual mindset when we are able to process emotions like grief and sadness without wallowing, without pity parties, when we're able to feel sorrow without losing hope in all that God is going to do. In the natural ring, we feel every circumstance as if it is the end-all, be-all truth. In that kind of carnal mindset, we see our circumstances as confirmation of the narrative the enemy has laid out for us. So we see the circumstances as proof of the storyline Satan has been telling us. Sometimes it's a new storyline, sometimes it's decades old, but in the natural ring, we see our life circumstances as proof of a narrative, be it good or bad. But in the spiritual ring, we see the circumstances simply as information, not confirmation, information. We know that the circumstances do not dictate the truth, the truth of God's promises, the truth of his universal laws, but rather the circumstances are just information. They're intel for us to see what is really happening in the spiritual realm. But going deeper and going beyond the natural ring, getting into that second ring, it's tough. For example, during my fight to save my marriage, my husband told me, I don't believe in God and I'm not the godly man you even want. In the natural, I heard confirmation of the narrative the enemy had been attacking me with. You know, my next thoughts were, well, my marriage is over. My husband's never coming home. His faith is wrecked. But in the spiritual, the same exact line from my husband's mouth, I don't believe in God and I'm not the godly man you want. It was intel. It was Satan's cards all laid out on the table. It was insight into the exact narrative that the enemy was using to crush my husband's hope and self-worth. He was regurgitating the lies that the enemy had been giving to him. The lie that he was not spiritual enough for me and never would be. That he was a failure to God. If I looked even deeper with my spiritual humility, it was a byproduct of my own crushing expectations of my husband and what kind of godly man he should be right now this instant. Forget growth. Forget the sanctification journey. Forget all that. I want you to be perfect now. But I, I had to hear with my spiritual understanding and get past the initial face value of those scary comments to see what was really going on in the spiritual realm. And then I knew what strongholds to attack. Through prayer, fasting, speaking opposite truth, all, all the other spiritual weapons we're going to cover this season. It is with that spiritual wisdom that you can then attack the enemy with precision. So when we don't have targeted intel, when we go to pray and to fight and to try and battle for our loved ones, I often think of it like the spray and pray 
tactic. You know, and I hear this a lot from women. They're like, I'm just so tired of praying. I've been praying and praying and praying and I'm, I'm just exhausted from all the praying. That might have been okay in the beginning, but you need to be promoted. You need to, you need to get more intel. And that means living by the Spirit. Because the spray and pray tactic, which in any type of battle, that's just unleash all the bullets, spray the whole thing, and pray that you hit something. That tactic only works for a certain amount of time. It's not sustainable. So these are the women, and maybe this is you, where you've got your umpteenth million prayers that you pray every night for your husband, and you just can't go to bed until you get all these prayers done because you don't really know what to pray. So you're just praying whatever you can pray. You're praying everything. And that's a spray and pray. But what I think God wants to get us to is an elevated spiritual wisdom where we can be more like a sniper, okay? Because the spray and pray works when you don't know what else to do. But the sniper, it's a one-shot, one-kill. The sniper has intel. He knows who his target is. He knows what they're wearing. He knows how tall they are. He knows where they're going to be. He has intel, and it's one shot. That's what they get. They've got one shot. That's very different than spray and pray. <laughs> so when we're lacking that spiritual intel, the wisdom to sort of hear beyond what we're seeing or hearing in the natural, to, to actually see beyond that and take it as intel, when we don't have that, we're not as effective. But when we have that, not only are our prayers more effective, but we are also more at peace. You're not getting pummeled in the natural ring because the thing that could be bringing absolute hopelessness, that statement of I'm never coming home, I'm not good enough for you anyways, or I'm too good for you, whichever one you're hearing because it's one or the other usually. If you take that at face value, it's hopelessness. It's, it's absolute death of your hope. But if you take that with your spiritual eyes and you say, okay, this is what the enemy is feeding him. This is actually about the bondage and the lies that your husband is hearing and then regurgitating to you. So I am going to see beyond my own hurt and I'm going to see, for instance, I'm not good enough for you. Okay, so this is a rejection spirit. He is embracing the rejection spirit that he's not good enough for me. And I can speak the opposite truth, but nothing I say is going to truly heal that that's where I get to be a sniper in my prayers and in my fasting. And when we do that, that is how the Lord then opens up opportunities. Yes, for you to speak truth, for you to act in certain ways that play into his timeline for breakthrough. That's when you end up with spiritually shifting conversations and actions in the natural. That's when your husband's heart is being prepared in the spiritual realm. It is in response to our sniper prayers that things shift in the spirit more than when we just spray and pray. And you'll feel like you're swinging at air if your husband's heart hasn't been prepared in the spiritual realm. If things have not been shifting in the spiritual realm, you're going to feel like you are just in a losing battle because you are. But when we use that spiritual mindset and we stop taking the enemy's bait to fall for the circumstances and to take them as confirmation of his narrative. When we stop doing that, 
we get the targeted intel and we use it and we deliver death blows to the enemy. And that's when your husband's heart will be shifted and breakthrough happens. Thanks for tuning in to the Wise Wife Podcast. Go to wisewifeblueprint.com and download your free battle strategy. These are the five things you must do if you want to see breakthrough in your marriage. And remember, it takes two to save a marriage. You and Jesus.